0: Hey there, everyone. Thanks for checking back into localjobnetwork.com radio, where we always bring you experienced professionals from across all industries. I'm your host, Tim Muma. This is part two of our podcast, You Do What? I'm a stand-up comedian, and we have Joe DeVito with us from New York. Joe has appeared on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and Last Comic Standing, on top of perfecting his acts in comedy clubs on the East Coast. A bit later in our conversation, Joe will talk about the rewarding aspects of stand-up, but first, we touch on the potential downside of being known as a comedian. Well, you brought up something there that always is in the back of my mind, with comedians especially, is the idea that, you know, not everything out of your mouth is necessarily going to be funny. Is that a drawback of, of being known as a comedian, even if it's amongst you know a circle of friends or peers? That I mean, do you always have to be on, Are people expecting you to be funny, even if you're just you know walking down the street.
1: Uh, oh, you mean off stage?
0: Yeah, correct. But yeah, I hope I hope you expect to be funny on stage. <laughs> <would
1: hope to. laughs> um, it's a little weird. I still feel strange when, to give you an example, last year I had to go shopping for a new car, which I hadn't done in about ten years. And you know you answer, they keep asking the same questions over and over again. And whenever someone said, "Well, what do you do for a living?" I, to say I'm a stand-up comic, I, it feels weird <laughs> to say that because not only does it seem like an odd profession to have, uh, you know, just just to say that's what you do, but then people they say like, "Oh yeah," and then they usually they tell you some horrendous joke <laughs> or or you know I I I think I understand what you're saying like. I would say, well, I'm a stand-up comic. And they go, really? And then they look at me as if that is now my cue to say something hilarious. Right, I'm like, look, right. I'm here to buy a car and talk about my credit score and <laughs> things like that. Like, but yet it's true. I, I think some people can't help themselves that they, they, they hear, oh, you're a stand-up comics and they'll say something funny. is the next thing out of their mouth. And that's a, that's a no-win situation sure. for most comics. So I found the way I deflect it is I just say, uh, well, you have to buy two drinks first.
0: Ah, there you go. And
1: then they usually laugh, and that is usually the end of that discussion. <laughs> because even if you're a comic who tells like those, we call them street jokes, you know, the two guys walk into a bar type jokes. Sure. You, you're never going to get the laugh that you would want. And I'm also terrible at those jokes, too. <laughs> I, I can't remember any of the important parts. So I get to the end and people are like, what dog? And I'm like, oh, there was a dog. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, mm, all right, well, come see me live.
0: And you bring up a point there, too, just the idea that, I mean, there is an art to it, there are different styles and and different jokes and and different, you know, types of jokes specifically, but did you have, I mean, an idol growing up, or did you, as you've been working, are there people you follow, or maybe you looked at them like, you know, not that you want to copy them, but you still want to, there's just something you appreciate about them or their style, their art. Are there any people that that stand out for you?
1: Uh, Sure, I I was always a a comedy fan. I'm a huge Woody Allen fan, and it's a shame that, a lot of people don't even know that he did stand-up in the 60s.
0: Hmm.
1: Because his stand-up is incredible. It's still, it still really holds up. And I think also his persona appeals to me. You know, Italians and Jews have quite a bit in common, and I'm sort of a smaller, bespectacled guy, so I can <laughs> kind of relate to a lot of what he was talking about. And I also... I, I like comedy that combines things where you have to think a little bit with things that are just completely silly. Mm-hmm. And... That's why, you know, I was always a big Monty Python fan, and, you know, uh, like I said, Woody Allen's his early movies. Um, a lot of comics like Richard Lewis, I always liked, of course, uh, Bill Cosby. Out of the people who are out there now, Brian Regan, I think, is, is the best guy working. Really? Oh, oh yeah. I, I don't think anybody can touch him in terms of the completeness of his game, because his, mater- his material is strong, he's prolific, he works squeaky clean, and you, you never listen to a Brian Regan bit and think, oh, that would be better if he cursed.
0: Right, right. No, I, I completely agree. I, I do. I, I enjoy Brian Regan a lot. Actually, my wife and two young boys actually like him quite a bit. So that's to your point there about being clean and funny in that in that regard. So he
1: really is fun for the whole family. And and he's just he's got the act outs and the voices and all that. I, I just I admire his his completeness as a performer. But for people who are performing now that I like, uh, Andy Kindler is my favorite comic. Okay. Um, Maria Bamford I think is brilliant. Sure. And she she does stuff that one of the things I like about it is it's so different from anything I would ever attempt. Like I don't even know how she develops a bit, but that's what's great is there's so many different ways to be funny. And I think the, the longer that you stick with this, your style finds you because mm-hmm. everybody starts telling essentially jokes because that's what you think. Well, I'll just say funny things, but I think the more that you're at it, the people really want to learn about you. So you start to look inside and that takes, that takes a long time to be able to do that.
0: So when we're looking at, I mean, with some of the, you know, if you're going to go to an open mic or you're going to be performing at a club or even a, a corporate event, what is, what is that like in terms of maybe the days leading up or the day of, uh, I mean, how, what exactly steps are you going through? How, how do you get ready for, for that performance? Uh, just to kind of, course sort of take us into the day of, of a stand up comedian when, when you're ready to perform.
1: Okay. Um, well, I can tell you what yesterday was like yesterday was, uh, a day where I was, I would say not quite off, but not really working. But a few people asked me, um, oh, would you like to come do some shows in New York City? And I said, okay. So what I did was, because I you know, I live in the suburbs, I said, if I'm coming in, there's a really good open mic that I'll grab that starts at seven. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go do uh, this benefit for an animal charity at eight. And then I'll do the show in Midtown at nine. Wow. So for the open mic, I said, well, to get my value out of it, I identified what are the um, the newer pieces that I wanted to work on. And I wrote, you know, kind of outlined them in my little notepad. And then I said them. And then, of course, as soon as I come off stage, the way I do it is that if I don't record it or video it, I'll immediately go into my notebook, and I have a system where I circle if I actually got to the bit. I'll put a circle around it. Sure. If it did well, I put a check. If it didn't connect, I put an X. If it was so-so, I put a plus or minus. and If it did really well, I put a check plus. Hmm. So that way I can keep track of what can get rotated into the regular act. Um, then on the way to the animal benefit, uh, I looked through my notes and said, well, what are some jokes about pets that I have? Okay. And then, you know, that's what I did in addition to whatever else was on my mind. And then when I got to the last show, I just sort of talked about whatever has been on my mind as of late. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, it. I like to write a lot, so I have a pretty good base of material yeah um so i like i like being able to freestyle a little bit
0: no i well i think it's cool though you have you do have a system of uh you know yeah you know sort of this quick turnaround and critiquing yourself and, and just as you said you know developing and honing your, your skills as you move on i think that's really neat to hear but yeah as you said it's nice to freestyle once in a while how, how did that last show go then
1: it was fun it was in front of like eight people oh really <laughs> yeah that's, that's the crazy thing about when you do shows in new york city that Sometimes, the, the, there's hardly anybody in the audience, and they may be... You know, I think I did a show once. It was There was two people in the audience, Ugh. which I don't think you can have an audience small. Because if you have one person, you're just bothering somebody. <laughs> not even a show anymore. But it was a couple, and the man was from Sweden. Oh, jeez. So she periodically had to sort of explain a reference to him. Because his English was good, but maybe like an idiom would lose him every now and then. And you know what? They were wonderful, and we all had a good time. So you can't decide beforehand, right. oh, this is going to stink, because then that's that's up to you if you want it to stink.
0: Is that harder, though, to be in front of just a few people as opposed to, you know, just a larger crowd? I, to me, it seems a little more intimidating if it's two, three, eight people as opposed to, you know, 50.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but that's comedy. Yeah. You know? a Big, big crowds are easy. You know, I've been lucky to do a couple theater shows where I think the biggest crowd I performed for was in Schenectady, New York, was... I think it was like thirty five hundred people. was great, but here's the thing: you tell a joke to that crowd, and only ten percent of the audience laughs. That's still more than three hundred people. Right. And you're in a room in front of ten people, <laughs> and one person laughs. You're in, you're in trouble. But what the small crowds do is they force you to be a human being and make that connection, because you can't just go up and push material at at an audience of ten people, because they'll be like, "This what is this?" guy's not being real he's not a person Mm -hmm. so that's it's a good skill i mean if you you learn to do those those five person shows oh Big crowds are easy.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I would I would think it's, it's that way as well. Yeah. Now, on top of the, the stand-up comedy, you, you know, you've done a number of other things. Uh, I was always interested, you know, if you're like a panelist on Chelsea Lately or you're on one of those shows where they're talking about like a list of things and, you know, you're, you're doing that. I mean, do you enjoy that side of comedy as opposed to stand-up? Is it a nice break? Do you embrace all of it? What sort of, I mean, what's your preference when you're doing some of these other items that obviously involve comedy, but it's a little different format?
1: Well, For shows like that, um, one of the things that I think helps me is that I like writing jokes. Mm -hmm. So for a show like that, it can kind of be liberating in a way because if someone mentions a pop culture item or a current news event, I don't always have to think too deeply as to what's my personal take on this. I can just write what I think is a funny joke about it. So in a way, that's kind of fun. What I've learned is that the pop culture stuff and the list not really what i'm into right um but there's a show that i do on fox news channel called red eye where it's mostly political discussions where they always have a comedian on the round table and i love it because <laughs> i don't really talk politics in my act but i do follow it sure. so it's kind of a fun way for me to develop material I- I- in that venue
0: well that's cool definitely uh those listening have to check that out and then see you in that form if they can't catch you on you know, doing your act. Obviously, people can find you online, different uh, video clips. Uh, and can, if they don't catch you in a, in a different situation, such as Chelsea lately, or uh, as you said, you've been on the Late Late Show in the past as well. Uh, we're getting a little low on time, but I did want to ask a couple more things, just in terms of uh, what you do with with stand up comedy specifically. We're looking at obviously, uh, what do you point to that you really love the most about it? What do you what What's the biggest thrill you get out of it? How do you really I don't know, describe what you love about it, what your passion is towards the profession itself.
1: Well, what I tell people is that my best day at work in corporate, no one ever clapped at the end.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: So (laughs) it's very rewarding in the sense that, you know, personally, because you can go up and express yourself and you get that immediate feedback of the laugh. It's very validating, where even if someone doesn't agree with what you said, the fact that they laughed, it, it gives you that, that rush, because you can't really control what you laugh at. You can't really fake it. It's almost like if you went up and made a whole room of people sneeze at the same time.
0: Well, that would be impressive.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) that part is pretty cool. But to be honest with you, what I really like is we we forget sometimes because we're in, in this business and we tend to look at it as like how we're preparing to go to work, that the people in the audience are coming there to laugh. And sometimes people come up and they tell you that they've had some rough experiences in their lives, or they're going through, you know, some, some really unpleasant things, and how they came to the show, and they laugh so hard, and they feel so much better, and that's really cool, and I think that's something all comedians need to keep in mind is, you know, we're complaining about the hotel room we have to stay in or not getting paid enough for a gig that, you know, the effect you can have on the audience, it's pretty amazing.
0: Obviously, with our shows also here, and I think that's that's great to hear because we talk about you know compensation and benefits with i mean you're talking about office jobs, obviously, but uh, the point that you're you're making is that you can have an effect in in other ways. Uh, the last thing really we we ask all of our guests is just. If you had a takeaway uh, for our listeners, as far as maybe there are people listening that they wanna they wanna take a shot at this, they, you know all their friends are pushing them to do it, or they've always had an interest. Maybe they you know they looked up to some some comedians. What, what advice would you put out there? What sort of just tips would you give if someone really was interested in in taking a shot at, at this profession?
1: Uh, I would say, from my own experience, one of the things that helped me was I went into it with no expectations because hmm. I didn't like I said I didn't know that you could actually do this. So what I would tell people is if you're thinking about doing it, try it. You've got nothing to lose. I didn't I didn't try it until I was 32 years old, you know, which is kind of late to get into this game. And within a couple of years, it became all I really thought about. And now it's my career. And I've met some great people. I get to express myself. I get to travel. It's pretty cool. And that was just because I let a friend tell me, just get on stage and try it. So. If you're thinking about it, just go to your local comedy club and ask them about the open mic or about, usually they have a class where you take a couple of classes and then they have a graduation show. Try it, even if it's just like a one-time bucket list thing, because you never know. It could could become a new career and it can change your life.
0: Well, Joe, I, I definitely think you've probably inspired at least a, a small crop of budding comedians. As you mentioned, being in the corporate world to start and then uh, you know moving to this, this stage of your life, your career, I think that's a, a pretty cool story. So uh, I think you probably did at least encourage a few people to get out there and, and give it a shot. As, as difficult as I'm sure it is to get in front of those people that first time. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. So we we'll have to wrap things up here on this edition of You Do What. Once again, our expert on the world of stand-up comedy and comedians in general has been Joe DeVito. Joe, thanks again for coming on. We do appreciate your perspective and uh, just giving us some insight into this unique
1: profession. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well, to find out what other jobs you'd like to learn about. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Thanks again for checking into LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.